39 and 40. We're going to begin our reading in Exodus 39, uh, beginning at verse 32 of that chapter. We'll read through the end of 39 and then all of chapter 40 as well. Exodus 39, beginning at verse 32. What we hear now is God's word. Thus, all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, its bases, the covering of tanned ram skins and goat skins and the veil of the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy seat, the table with all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand of pure gold and its lamps with the lamps set and all its utensils and the oil for the light. The golden altar, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the entrance of the tent. The bronze altar and its gratings of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand. The hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords and its pegs and all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle for the tent of meeting. The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons for their service as priests. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so had they done it. Then Moses blessed them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with a veil. And you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar for the incense before the ark of the testimony, and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the cord all around, and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and consecrate it in all its furniture, so it shall be, may be, become holy. And you shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar, so the altar may become most holy." And you shall anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father that they may serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to the perpetual priesthood throughout their generations." This Moses did, according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He set its bases and set up its frames, and put in it its poles, and raised up its pillars. 
And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put, it in, he put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle, and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and offered on it the burnt offering and grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and their sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen for the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we come to the end of our series of sermons on the tabernacle and on its furnishings. Uh, by now, you know that, that these chapters in Exodus, these chapters in the Old Testament, are not, not simply instructions for Israel. They were pictures. They were pointers forward to the work of Jesus Christ. We've seen that as we've looked at the various uh, furnishings in the tabernacle. We've talked about the response of God's people, recognizing how we are to approach God. We talked about the different metals of the various uh, furnishings, how they change as you, as you got closer to the presence of God, where he would sit enthroned on the ark, on the mercy seat. Now that applies to us today in terms of our worship, to approach God not casually, but recognizing the, the blessing of approaching him in worship. We talked in this series of sermons about the Sabbath command, how, how God already in creation set a pattern, how God already in creation modeled that pattern for his people, uh, working for six days and resting for one, how Christ came as the fulfillment of that, of that anticipation of the Sabbath, and yet there's more to come, a greater Sabbath, the consummation of all things when Christ comes back again. I know tonight is somewhat a long, uh, perhaps even maybe, maybe tedious a text to read, but it's a text that still speaks to us today 
as they complete the work on the tabernacle. And, and, and I think maybe particularly tonight's text uh, speaks to the younger people in our church. It speaks to our high schoolers. It speaks to our college students. As they, as they look to the future, as they make plans for where God might be leading them, a text like this um, gives instruction for how they can look forward with confidence. And of course, how all of us are called to live in a way and serve in a way that is pleasing to our God. We did not read all of chapter 39, um, but I really wanted to. Uh, because as you read all of 39 and all of 40, there's a theme that comes up again and again and again. At the beginning of chapter 39, it talks about the garments that were made, and it says in verse 1, and they made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. And again, chapter 31, verse 5, they did these things as the Lord commanded Moses. And again in verse 7, as the Lord commanded Moses. Again in verse 21, as the Lord commanded Moses. And again in verse 26, as the Lord commanded Moses. And again in verse 29, as the Lord commanded Moses. That theme continues in chapter 40. They did these things according to the command of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. We read in 39, verse 32, Thus all the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. They did their work at the command of God. They did their work at the instruction and the revelation of God. God had revealed to them how they were to prepare and construct this tabernacle. And that is what they did. And, and, and we saw God didn't just give very general guidelines for what they should do. God didn't say, uh, you know, make a curtain, make a tent, make a table, make a box, and make an altar. However you want. But God gave very specific commands. You are to make these things this big, this wide, this high. You are to use these metals. You are to put them in these places. God gave very specific commands for how they were to, to obey him and do what he had commanded. You know, I think it's easy for us in our life to think of the Bible as kind of a a book that gives us some very general ideas of how life might be lived. Some very general concepts of, of how to get along in life. But we see that, that the Bible is actually very specific to instruct us how we are to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Where do we go to find the answers to the questions in life? Where do we go when we, when we wonder, what does the future hold for us? Am I to marry? Am I to take a particular job? Where am I to live? Now, it's true. We don't find uh, names and places written for us in the Scriptures. But we find more <clears throat> than just generalities. God gives us specific instructions for how we are to live our life. 
When we think about our relationships, perhaps there are some of you here who are considering marriage. Now again, to be sure, uh, the name of your spouse is not going to be found in the pages of Scripture. But it's more than just find somebody and get married. The Bible gives us specifics for how we as His people are to, are to look for a spouse. Of course, at the very least, we have to follow the Bible's instruction to marry in the Lord. Now that's specific. It doesn't mean go out and find anybody. At the very least, we have to marry in the Lord, another believer. And so if you find yourself entering into a relationship with a non-believer, you do not have to wonder if this is the person God has chosen for you. He has not. He has said we are to marry in the Lord. And, And beyond that, we are to find someone who will help us in our spiritual life. I was talking to a, a group of, of young people so a number of years ago, uh, talking about dating and marriage and whatnot, and, whatnot and, and talking to the young women there and telling them, uh, you need to seek out a man who will be your spiritual leader. And this was a very sharp group of young women. I said, this is not going to be easy for you. Because you were raised in a Christian home, you were brought up in a Christian church, but you need to find a man who will be your spiritual leader. And I turned to the boys in the room and said, you need to be that kind of man. You need to set out your desire to to be that Christian leader, that loving leader, that if God should bring someone into your life, you can encourage your wife in her walk with the Lord, and you women, you to encourage your husband in your walk with the Lord. Not just, not just find somebody and marry them, but marry in the Lord and marry someone who will encourage you, who will lead you, who will strengthen you in your walk with God. Now, to be sure, the Bible doesn't tell us uh, as married couples how many children we're supposed to have, but if God does give us children, it gives us some very particular instructions those children are to be raised in the fear of the Lord. We're not to to simply hope they turn out okay, but we are to expend ourselves as parents to teach them the glorious truths of who God is. We are to read with them the Bible stories. We're to memorize the Word of God with them. We're to sing with them the songs of Zion, doing all we can, expending ourselves to be brought up knowing God, loving God, desiring to serve God. We're not to have children and uh, give them all the choice in the world. You know, you want to go to church, you don't want to go to church, up to you. You want to follow God? You don't want to follow God? Up to you. We are to indoctrinate them. Teaching them, instructing them, modeling for them. We are not to let them grow up to speak their own truth. I heard that on the news again this past week. I'm going to speak my truth. Truth is truth. We teach them the truth of the Word of God. We don't let them 
try to find their own way, discover their own truth. And if, if it's true for them, it's fine. And if it's not for anybody else, okay, so what? If God gives us children to teach them, to instruct them in his ways, a life lived according to God's commands. When we think about what job God might be calling us to, we certainly have to be aware of the gifts and talents he has given to us. I know my mom wanted me, well, not wanted me, but thought. My mom thought I should grow up to be a doctor. I faint at the sight of blood. So I knew, sorry, mom, that's not going to happen. Those are not my gifts and talents. Sometimes I'm still looking for my gifts and talents, but I'm not going to grow up to be a doctor. We need to find work that is in concert with the gifts God's given to us and also find that work that will not conflict with our spiritual life, that will not, that will not take us away from the people of God on the Lord's Day. We've always talked about, and we talked about this in our Sabbath sermon just a couple weeks ago, we've always recognized works of mercy, works of necessity, but we shouldn't seek out work that will take us away from the, rather, the regular gathering with God's people. Even when we think about if God should, should take us elsewhere, if we graduate high school or graduate college and move someplace else and look for a different church, what do we look for? Well, I know I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to anyway. We look for a church that preaches the gospel. That's where you start. You're not free to choose any church you want. You don't, first of all, look and see what programs they have. How big is the choir? Do they have a good youth group? Is the gospel there? Is Jesus Christ declared? Is, is, is the fact that we are fallen sinners and he is our only hope? Do you hear that from the pulpit? I remember going to a, a worship service oh, many, many years ago. And, and the man did a fine job reflecting on the text. He gave us a lot of interesting anecdotes about the text. And on the way out of church, someone said to me, wasn't that a great sermon? I said, no, it was not. It was a terrible sermon. Because he never took us to the foot of the cross. It was interesting. It was a wonderful lecture. But he never brought us to Jesus. Finding a church, living under God's command. God's given us instructions of how we are to, to live. Thus they did all the work. And the people of Israel did according to all that Moses had commanded him through the Lord. That's, that's the call we have as God's children, living according to God's commands. We read in verse uh, 42 of chapter 39, according to all the Lord commanded Moses, so the people of Israel had done all the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. The people did according to what God commanded. And then... Then they brought the work to Moses. They brought the work to God's appointed servant. And he looked at it. He looked at it to make sure it was done as the Lord had commanded. They, they certainly thought they had done what God commanded. But Moses was kind of a, um, a second set of eyes, a second level of inspection to make sure it was done according to God's commands. We, in our own lives, are so susceptible to blind spots with regard to our own actions. It is so easy for us to overlook 
places in our life where we are not being obedient, not doing as God has commanded. And so he gives us appointed leaders to help us in that. In the church, God gives us elders to help us in our walk with him. That, that, that when those blind spots that we don't see begin to show themselves, the elders in love will come to encourage us to live as God has commanded. That is one of the blessings of belonging to a local church. You have elders who will encourage you, watch over your spiritual life. For those who visit with us, we are so thankful for each and every one God brings. But, but there is a blessing to being a member of the church. And one of those blessings is the oversight of the eldership. A, a second set of eyes to help us in our walk with God. To help us if we need to seek out godly counsel. The elders are men of the Word of God. Uh, they would be the first to say they don't have all the answers, but the Word of God has the answers for us. And they can study that Word with us to help with, with the difficult questions that we have in life. For those of you, again, if you're in the high school age, the, the, the college age, the, if you're under 30, okay, if you're under 30, and you're, I'm getting older, as some of you know, and you're looking for advice, you want to find a godly counselor. And if you're a young person, I'm going to say without hesitation, that counselor is probably not your best friend. Your best friend can commiserate with you. They can try to be an encouragement to you, but they are no wiser than you are. Seek out someone older someone wiser. Seek out a teacher. Seek out an elder. Someone who's lived life, who can help you and provide godly, wise counsel. Young people, God has given you built-in counselors, and we just call those parents. You may not believe this, but I can attest that it's true. At one time, your parents were teenagers. Your parents have lived probably more than you're aware. Don't reject their counsel. They have your best interest in mind. No one on earth loves you more than your parents. They will do all they can to counsel you and, and, and guide you in paths that are obedient to God, living according to his word. God's given you godly counselors. Use them. Moses is there to inspect the work and the, the, the tabernacle is constructed under the direction of God and the direction of Moses and it's completed. It's completed and Moses, that, that overseer, puts it all together. And we see here again Moses uh, being a pointer to the work of Jesus Christ. Moses giving that direction. God gives us direction through his word and enlightens us to complete the task by the spirit he has given. The spirit sent from God. We live under the direction of Jesus Christ, but in the power of the spirit. 
We live under the direction of Jesus Christ, the one who, who has secured and accomplished our salvation, the one who's done everything necessary, the one who is not only our Savior, but also our Lord, as we talked about this morning, and the one who gives us the gift of his word and spirit that we might follow after him, Jesus Christ, God's true appointed servant, that one who came to, to fulfill all the works of salvation, the one who calls you tonight to put your faith and your hope and your confidence in him, to, to live according to his word and in his power that he sends by the Holy Spirit that he gives. It's a beautiful picture of the construction and the completion and what happens at the very end, the very end of the book of Exodus. Chapter 40, verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's presence in the midst of his people. That's been the purpose all along. That God himself would dwell with his people. And that is our desire as well. That God would dwell in us, that his glory would be reflected in who we are, in the way we live as a body of Christ, as individual sons and daughters of Christ, that that glory might, might be a blessing for now and might direct us for the future. God dwelling with us, again, by the power of his spirit. We have this beautiful instruction, verse 36, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people would set out. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out till the day it was taken up. God's direction for his people. If the cloud didn't move, they didn't move. If the cloud moved, they moved. God gives us his word. He enlivens our hearts and minds by his spirit to understand what the word, what the truth is for us there. If the cloud didn't move, they didn't move. If God's word says, no, you cannot do that, then we are not to do that. The Spirit allows us to see the truth of the Word, and we say, God has said no. I'm not going to hope maybe He changes His mind and says yes. If the cloud didn't set out, they didn't set out. If the cloud did move, if God said yes, then they followed. When God says no, His no means no. When God says yes, we have no choice but to follow. We are obliged to do what he says. A life lived in obedience to God. That's why we read Psalm 112 tonight. The blessings of living a life of obedience to God. A picture in their lives, in the tabernacle, a picture for us today. The work of God through the power of Jesus Christ and with the instruction of the Holy Spirit to live in a way that brings glory to him. The work of the tabernacle is completed we see God continuing to work in us, continuing to grow us, to strengthen us, to move us toward a greater obedience. We thank God that he does this through his word and by his spirit, and in this he receives the glory. The glory goes to him, but the blessing, the blessing of obedience comes to us who live according to his word. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you for your most holy word a word that is a light to our feet, a lamp unto our path, a word that teaches us about you and about your Son, Jesus Christ, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, in the pictures, in the images, in the shadows, all pointing us forward to the work of Jesus Christ and the call that we have to follow after him as our Lord and live according to the power of the Spirit which you have given. Lord God, strengthen us for that task. 
May our lives be lived in accordance with your commands and for your honor and for your glory. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to 119B, number 119B. How shall the young direct their way? What light shall be their perfect guide? Your word, O Lord, will safely lead if in its wisdom they confide. We're going to sing both verses of 119B. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.